Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Joni Mitchell Podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Scott Johnson. My guest today is Andriana Lear, and we talk about Joni's 1976 record, Hijira. We had a great conversation, and I thank her for taking the time to uh, talk to me. Please check out her music. She gives you some idea of what her style is relatively early in the interview today. As always, you can find me on social media sites under my name, Zachary Scott Johnson. Zachary is Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y. Scott is S-C-O-T, and Johnson is J-O-H-N-S-O-N. I invite you to check out my YouTube page, The Song A Day Project, as well. That's all one word squished together, The Song A Day Project. And I record a song a day every day, and I've been doing that for over four years. So there's over 1,500 songs up on YouTube that I've done. A quick programming note today. Um, I'm going to be talking to some people coming up about artists other than Joni Mitchell. I'm going to talk to some people about who their biggest influence is, i.e. whoever is to them what Joni Mitchell is to me. It might be another musician or a band. It might be an actor or an actress. It might be a painter. It might be a playwright. But either way, it should be interesting, and I hope you'll join us. That will start next week, and I'm going to continue to do episodes on Joni Mitchell, of course, as well, but I'm going to kind of cycle those in, and it will allow me to talk to a wider variety of guests. I think we're ready to start episode four. Here we go. Hey, we're back for episode, I think this is episode four of the Joni Mitchell podcast. I'm joined by my guest, Andreana Lair. How are you? I am doing quite well. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. Um, we're here to talk about Hijira, mm-hmm. Joni's 1976, I think. I believe so. Yes, 76. 76. I was talking to um, Ben Cook Feltz in the last one. It's kind of an interesting thing. She had four records in a row, mm-hmm. all released in November. So Miles of Isles was November of 74. Mm-hmm. Kissing of Summer Lawns was November of 75. This was November of 76. Mm -hmm. And then the one after this was November of 77. So like Joni owned November for those four years. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before Mm -hmm. we get too deeply involved. Tell us about your music because you're a musician as well. Yep, that's correct. Uh, Singer, songwriter, do a lot of guitar and just solo singing style. Um, When I'm performing, I'll bring in a little harmony pedal just because I like to get some of the harmonies in there and stuff. But... Play some piano too, and cool. yeah. Is Joni a big songwriting influence? Uh, she's become one for sure. Okay. I uh, when I was younger, like I think I probably got my first Joni comparison when I was maybe nineteen or twenty. Really, and had okay. no idea who she really was other than like Big Yellow Taxi. Right, and like someone was telling me I should listen to her, and I was like, oh, who's that? And I was like, oh, Big Yellow Taxi. I'm like, eh, whatever. And then it was a few years later, I got it a couple more times and finally had a friend in LA who, uh, he's a drummer and like absolute Joni fanatic. And really? he's like, you've got to listen to her music. <laughs> and like, I went out there to visit one time and he's like, all we're doing is listening to Joni while you're here. So deal with it. Nice. So it was like everywhere we were driving, it was just like, he was introducing me to these different records and I was just like, okay, yeah, I get, you know, and just kind of started diving in from there probably i feel like for a lot of people i don't know if this is true for you if you were kind of like inundated with it for a weekend mm-hmm. um but you know like it's kind of like coffee in some ways like it's mm-hmm. she's an acquired taste yeah. there are very few people who like the first time you hear her go 
she's the greatest that has mm-hmm. ever been. But like, if you actually allow yourself to start exploring, it's just oh endless. yeah, yep, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, just her inspiration, her lyrics, and just her song structures and everything. Yeah. It's something I can appreciate yeah. all the way around. And this is a unique, really unique record. So tell mm-hmm. me, you chose Hajira. Mm-hmm. What is this your favorite Joni record? How did you come to this particular record? It is definitely, it's probably one of my two favorites. Okay. Um, and this one really just hit me, the just the organic nature of a lot of the songs. and. Jaco Pistorius' yep. bass, and I mean that alone, like when I you know. just start listening to the bass lines, it's just so moving, and I don't know, it was just kind of everything all together and how she kind of started incorporating a little more of that jazz influence into this record was really kind of what struck me, I think. Yeah, yeah so. it's a great it's a great record. I totally agree with you about Jaco Pistorius, although he's only on like five out of these songs. Yeah. He's not on the whole record, yeah. but he's one of those people... I'm. I don't know if you're like this at all, but I find that I, when I'm listening to most new music, I don't really, uh, like, I don't hear the bass mm-hmm. necessarily. Yep. But in these, like, the bass mm-hmm. part is so rich. Like, the way he played the bass, I haven't heard anybody play the bass. Like, yep. Jaco Pistorius yep. plays the bass. Yep. And so it's like, you do notice that because it's like, another instrument in the mm-hmm. same way that her in- Joni's guitar is of course such a focal point of all mm-hmm. her music or piano but by this point it was guitar pretty much exclusively yep um you know his is just it's a perfect counterpoint and it's like the mm-hmm. duet instrument of yeah this it really record. is yep. yeah yeah um so I think this record it's kind of legendary and the like it was written on a cross-country drive which I think mm-hmm. actually is maybe most of the reason why it's mostly guitar because mm-hmm. that was what she would have had with her, right? Yep, instead yep. of instead of piano, there's no piano tracks yep, on this. Yep. So, um, yeah, it's an it's an interesting interesting record. Well, what, out of curiosity, what's the other favorite one? Um, either tied for Mingus or Blue, obviously. Really? Okay. Oh, Mingus. I, I love Mingus. That one just oh, it's so good. I just I love jazz, so that okay. you know, and I'm, I don't know a ton about jazz, but there's just something about that one. Like God must be a boogeyman, mm-hmm. like. It's just so clever and like yeah. I don't know her her composition of a lot of those tunes just really gets to me and you know kind of hearing about some of the back story mm-hmm. as well of her interacting yeah. with him and before his death and so yeah. yeah if you look at Joni chronologically yes that's how that word wants yes. to sound um, so she does the folk records. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, you know, there's five of those, really. Then Court and Spark comes along, and things are a little bit bigger and brighter. Mm -hmm. It's more of a pop record. Hissing of Summer Lawns comes along, and it's a little bit more jazzy. It's a little bit, you know, it it kind of, it continues some of the stuff from Court and Spark and the fact that it's kind of big band instead Mm -hmm. of just, you know, solo, basically. And then this one... I don't know. It almost takes a step back, not in a mm-hmm. not in a bad way, but I mean, it goes back to that more yep. intimate thing. Yep. And then right after Don Juan's Reckless Daughter is a continuation. It's kind of an interesting mm-hmm. place in her uh, in her output. I think. Yeah, I think it's just very contemplative on her part, mm-hmm. and just you know, if you're spending that much time driving on a road, you know, she wrote it on a road trip. You got a lot of time to think and just really reflect on where you've been and where you're going, right. and that kind of. It, interplay of getting lost in your mind on the mm-hmm. road and you know coming out of it a different person and yeah 
Well, let's maybe make our way through the through the list. Okay, mm-hmm. so the song the record starts out with Coyote. Yep. Which is kind of a perfect road trip song. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a song that seems like it's about a stranger and like picking up strangers. Yep. It's probably not, but that's how I interpret it. Yep. What do you think of Coyote? I love it. I just think the guitar line under it has that perfect moving groove where mm-hmm. you just see the lines in the road just yep. kind of spinning under the car and it definitely sets the tone for the entire record. Yep. And, Great lead mm-hmm. off track. It's got it's it's catchy, but it, it's driving and it kind of moves everything mm-hmm. along. Um, the other thing with this record is all the songs. So this record clocks in at 52 minutes, mm-hmm. but there's only nine songs on it. So mm-hmm. there's no song on here less than like four and a half minutes. And some of mm-hmm. them stretch up to like nine minutes. Yep. You know, yep. it's much longer songs. Mm-hmm. So even in terms of like, uh, you have to assume she was anticipating that no song from this record was going to be played on the radio. Yeah. It doesn't seem like she was trying at all. Yeah. Yep. So, um, Coyote is maybe the closest. If you're yeah, going to put pro- out a single. Yeah. Maybe. Or Black Crow. Yeah, I'd say Black Crow. Yeah. Or Coyote. One of the two. I love... Oh, Black Crow's great, too. <laughs> so I just say I just love this record. I do, too. Um, okay, so after Coyote, we've got Amelia. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about this one? That's, this is probably my favorite song on the oh, record. Me I mean... Too. Holy cow. One of my favorite all-time Joni songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This song is just insane. Yep. It's just touching and just the coming back to the refrain of Amelia. It was just a false alarm throughout continuously. Is, yeah. And you know what? The Gorgeous. idea of like taking such a well-known, like iconic figure like mm-hmm. Amelia Earhart. Yep. And then writing a song to her. Yep. It, you know, is it, it could have been anybody, you know, mm-hmm. Amelia, well, no, that's not true. It couldn't have been anybody, but there's a reason she chose Amelia mm-hmm. Earhart, but there's something about it that could have been so cheesy. It could have been such a bad choice right. to do that. Right. If she hadn't written the greatest lyrics surrounding oh, yeah. it, right? I mean, this is just her at her best. A it's ghost promised. of aviation. She was swallowed by the sky. Yeah. I mean, it's that's so good. Mm-hmm. And and kind of the reason that it had to be Amelia Earhart was like how she reflects on her life and and things that she perceived about Amelia Earhart too and yep. the connection that she felt yep. to them. You Absolutely, know? there's something about the idea of like connecting to a person that I'm sure she never met. I mean, that wouldn't have even been time era possible no. for them to have met. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Like, there's no way they could have encountered each other, and. Uh, so yeah, like I say, there's something about the idea of writing us writing that song that could have been so dangerous and could have been so <clears throat> it could have been laughable in the mm-hmm. wrong if if it had gone in the wrong direction. But yep. instead, it's one of the best songs she ever yep. wrote. It's amazing. Yeah. It's just Yeah, perfect. and I actually didn't realize it was about Amelia Earhart until probably Right after you talked to me about doing this, and really? I was looking stuff up, and I was like, "Oh my god, how did I miss that?" But oh wow, yeah, um, yeah. I just thought it was really fascinating in that connection with you know another strong female that's trying yep. to make history despite everyone trying to you know push her otherwise. Right. So well, and it reminds me of a story that Joni told one time in a concert, one of those concerts that she put on DVD, I think. Um, I heard her tell this story somewhere, so I think that's where it was from. But she talked about meeting um, Georgia O'Keeffe. Mm-hmm. And Georgia O'Keeffe 
uh, allegedly said to her, you're so lucky because, you know, you're a musician and you're a painter, you know, mm -hmm. basically how lucky for you that mm -hmm. you grew up in a time where you could have, where you could do both. You know, she, she basically said in my time period, I was lucky to be a woman painter. She's like, yep. I'm lucky that I got away with that. Mm -hmm. And she, Joni said, you know, I just looked at her and said, you know, if you want to be a musician, be a musician, do both. And, you know, it, it is that sort of like, you know, all the things that Amelia Earhart went through. Mm -hmm. And looking back on that, however many years later, mm -hmm. and going, it's still a struggle for me as a female singer-songwriter mm -hmm. writer in the 1970s. Yep. But when you put it up against what Amelia Earhart would have gone up against, yep. I mean, it's unimaginable what she would have gone through in terms of oh, sexism. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's insane. Absolutely. Yeah, even for her to just, you know, attain the education to, mm -hmm. you know, be a pilot alone is would have been a massive undertaking at that time. So, yeah. yeah. I find that camaraderie that she creates through this song to be really, mm -hmm. really touching. Yeah. It's it's such a great song. Um, yeah. Just one of the all-time best. Okay. So then after that, we go mm -hmm. to Furry Sings the Blues, mm -hmm. uh, written about Furry Lewis, a real person, another mm -hmm. real person. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, actually going back to what you were just saying about Amelia Earhart and not realizing necessarily mm -hmm. that that song was about Amelia... In in a in a moment that seems like oh okay that's mm -hmm. kind of surprising but actually it's really not because mm -hmm. this whole record is made up of songs song for Sharon could have been about a real Sharon yep. for all we know too yep. I mean, it probably was right mm -hmm. um, you know all of these songs are so specific that Amelia could have been just a friend Amelia yep. right or somebody that she knew yep. but yeah furry furry Lewis is a real person he was a Beale Street Blues guitarist mm -hmm. and. Um, yeah, you have to imagine in that road trip that she took that inspired this, they encountered each other. I mean, it certainly sounds like mm -hmm. it from the song, right? Yeah, yep. Yep, it kind of sounds like she's just watching him play and, mm -hmm. you know, really appreciating and learning. Yeah. I, I feel like Joni was always learning from everyone that she was interacting with and playing with. And I think that's one of the things that sets her apart. Yeah. Especially in her her expansion of her career and how she was writing throughout time like mm -hmm. i don't know i guess that kind of jumps out to me now the more we talk about this record and her influences and yeah yeah it's one of the things that always um actually it's this line right here okay mm -hmm. so uh you bring him smoke and drink and he'll play for you mm -hmm. it's mostly muttering and sideshow spiel mm-hmm but there was one song he played i could really feel yeah that to me is really telling of you know, to it's a, it starts out kind of dismissive of somebody's work and oh you're just one yep. of, you know whatever, but then there's something yep. in there that's and and she always seems like somebody who could who could find that exactly and, you know there was something uh she could she could find that little kernel mm -hmm. of inspiration yep. and make a lot more out of it. There's a teaching moment and everything whether yeah. you like it or not, and I th yeah, I think that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting uh, song. I you know, if I'm being honest, not mm -hmm. one of my favorites on the record. I still yeah. love it, yeah. and it wouldn't yeah. make the top five necessarily. No, and uh, and yet there's it's it's just an interesting story mm -hmm. basically that she tells. And you know, when Furry sings the blues is in the bottom tier of a record, as mm -hmm. great as that song is, you know, it's just a really great record. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, I think, again, the bass line in this one, I guess I don't know mm -hmm. if Jocko did this one or not. I think so. But yeah, the bass line in this one is just the one 
big aspect that I feel like sucks me in when I'm listening to mm-hmm. it every time. It's one where it's like kind of like da 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 da. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It. But yeah, it's what we were talking about earlier. It takes on. It takes more ownership. Mm-hmm. The bass part takes ownership, and it's a you know, it's one of the things that you remember from yep. the song. Yep. The lyrics and the bass. Go yep. figure. Yeah. I just I love that harmonica part I do in there because it just like comes out and it just swings in yep. for a minute, and, and it's mm-hmm. very distinctly Neil Young playing. Yeah. It's you know, there's a certain way. Uh, harmonica is one of those instruments that like I I can hear the way certain people play. And I think to a certain extent, Joni is like very recognizable in her piano playing. Mm-hmm. Her guitar playing, you know, in terms of the alternate tunings, mm-hmm. yeah, but there's another element there that, you know, guitarists can sound similar from one guitarist yeah. to another. Joni has really always sounded very distinct in her piano tunings, but harmonica, mm-hmm. like, you can pick out, or I can pick out Stevie Wonder's harmonica yeah. from a thousand paces. Same thing with Neil Young. Like, nice. he's just got a way of playing it. Mm-hmm. And this, it had been a while since I listened to this record all the way through. And as soon as it started, I was going, oh, that's right. It's Neil Young playing mm-hmm. this because mm-hmm. it just sounds like somebody trying to sound like Neil Young. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and um, of, of all the songs for him to be on, that's a really interesting mm-hmm. choice, I think, too, for He Sings the Blues. Um, after that, we get to Strange Boy. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this song? This one is another one that I guess doesn't stick with me as much me too. in the record. So, yeah. Me too. This is this one, and actually Blue Motel. Now, mm-hmm. if you're a big jazz person, you might be a little bit more of a fan of mm-hmm. that one than I am. Um, and it's not that I don't like that. Honestly, mm-hmm. I like every song on this record, but mm-hmm. those three, Furry Sings the Blues, Strange Boy, and Blue Motel, mm-hmm. are the three off the record that, you know, not that I could do without, but they the other ones are yeah. more significant to yep. me, I think. And uh, But the one thing that always gets me about Strange Boy is actually the more I listen to a Strange mm-hmm. Boy, the more I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I think there is something about... I, I, I guess I'm kind of interpreting for her as we do mm-hmm. we put our we try to imagine what she was writing about yep. sometimes and i don't know like i can i can kind of relate to what she's taught you know it's a frustrating relationship mm-hmm. that she's talking about and and wanting all these things and and you kind of catch on to that as you go through and, and find yourself thinking okay well you know i can relate to this line mm-hmm. i can relate to this line and there's that line in there um he asked me to be patient while i failed Grow up, I cried. And as the smoke was clearing, he said, give me one good reason why. Mm-hmm. I love that yep. line. You yep. know, grow up, give me one good reason why. Yep. No, I really love the one about we got high on travel and we got mm-hmm. drunk on alcohol and on the love, or and on love, the strongest poison and medicine of all, just talking about, you know. Yeah. It's such a potent, potent highs and lows yeah. of experience. And it kind of goes for that, you know, continuing that road trip motif yep. right you know of just maybe this maybe it was neil young who knows you know like who was this song about but yep. um you know maybe this person was with her for part of the journey and mm-hmm. they were going to try to make it work i don't know it's it, this is one of those songs that the other the other ones you can interpret but there's also kind of a, a specificness about them that is maybe it's more direct, I think, mm-hmm. this record than some of her other records mm-hmm. that are a little bit more vague. And um, this is one of the ones where you can kind of insert a story or like, you know, some ideas into mm-hmm. it, I think. It yep. kind of lends itself to that, which mm-hmm. is to me kind of interesting. Yep. That's kind of its best function for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, and then yeah. Hajira, the title track. Love it. I know. This has got... This may be second to Amelia in terms of just the great lyrics. Yeah, yeah. And just the beautiful composition of the yeah. song itself. It's Yeah, this is one that really sticks with me as well. Just absolutely beautiful and... My favorite line of this one is, I know no one's going to show me everything. We all come and go unknown. Each so deep and superficial between the forceps and the stone. It's Mm -hmm. just like, what else, what else do you need to say about life and death and the human experience is just summed up so well in those four lines. Yes. Such an introspective song. This one to me seems like it would have been almost it had to have been a this this like encapsulates the whole thing Mm -hmm. for me right Mm -hmm. instead of like a lot of these songs song for sure and strange boy are so specific that they could have been sat down and and worked on in a day or two days Mm -hmm. or whatever this one seems like kind of either written at the end of the whole process Mm -hmm. and looking back on it Mm -hmm. or kind of a work in progress from the beginning throughout the whole thing you know and I mean, just the the subject matter of the whole song, too. I feel like it could be the perfect last song of the record, too, mm-hmm. just because of that. Yeah. I find the placement in the record to be really interesting yeah. as well. Well, so I don't have this. Actually, I do have this on vinyl. I should have looked on this on vinyl. I have it on CD, too. Mm-hmm. So things change, of course, when we went from vinyl to CD, right? Because there was... The flip side. Yep. So this either, I'm guessing based on, it's song number five out of nine. So it either ended side one. That's true. That's or true. started side two. Yep. I'm guessing it ended side one. That is interesting. I didn't think about that. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd almost, it almost has to, because the second half of the record, most of those songs are longer. Song mm-hmm. for Sharon's really long, Refuge of the Roads is mm-hmm. longer. I bet it ended side one. Hmm. So it's kind of like the song before intermission. Yeah. Right? Like yep. you'll remember yeah, it and there's yep. something about it. That's an interesting point. This is also the song um I kind of I don't know she has in the in the years since gone back and done a couple of things. One is she did um this this record called Travelogue where mm-hmm. she recorded a bunch of her older songs with full orchestrations. Yep. And several of these songs are on there. I know Amelia's on yep. there and there are a couple other ones on there too, I think. Hijira might be on there. I think it might be. And Refuge of the Roads. It is, okay. That's an interesting... Well, we'll get to that one in a second. But, um, yeah, so these songs are... Hijira is one that I think is one, I'm guessing, based on how many times she's put it on other things, that she Mm -hmm. wants people to go back and really pay attention to. You know, it's one of those songs that I think she sticks up for, and Mm -hmm. deservedly so. This is one that really warrants mm-hmm. studying yes really yeah. this song you know as a student is like this is any song anybody who wants to be a songwriter mm-hmm. this is what you should give them yes absolutely yeah i just think there's just so much to glean from just where she places the lyrics i mean the mm-hmm. lyrics themselves and then where she places them against the music yeah and it's yeah just this story of yeah, traveling, and it, it very much does sum up the entire road trip mm-hmm. idea of the entire record. So, 
And I can't remember if, but I mean, even little touches of like the listen, strains of Benny Goodman coming mm-hmm. through the snow and the pine wood trees. Mm-hmm. That, and there's this, just this little touch of, I can't remember if it's a clarinet or a t- like a, a tenor saxophone mm-hmm. or what's in there. There's a little pop of something. Yep. Which she's so good at that. Oh, yeah. Um, we, it, we're not talking about this particular record right now, but a perfect example of that in another one of her records is the song For Free on mm-hmm. Ladies of the Canyon, where, mm-hmm. you know, the song is about encountering her street musician. And that you're you keep waiting to hear the street musician, but it doesn't come until the very end, and it's just this little pop. And, yep. and there's this there's something about it that's so beautiful. This is mm-hmm. just another one of those where like it would be so easy to like keep it in there for the rest of the song and have it going throughout. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't do that. She takes it right back out, and it's all back to those yep. lyrics. Yep. It really is just yep. a poem set to. Actually, the other thing about this from a musical standpoint, this record, as I've been listening to it, is a lot of these songs, even more so than a lot of her other records, are musically really repetitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like that to me. No. No, and I mean, when I've gone through and tried to learn some of her songs, like Mm -hmm. at first, when I was kind of diving into some of her stuff trying to learn it, which is really how I think I understand music the best when I go in and try to learn other people's stuff, but... You know, just realizing that it does so much have a pattern, mm-hmm. but it's so hard to just... I, it wasn't something that I was catching on to necessarily, just listening to it, because I think I would get so swept up in the story yeah. that it didn't seem like it was more linear than cyclical. So then finding that that uh, repetition of different parts in it was really mm-hmm. kind of eye-opening to me to see how she was doing that. Yeah. Amelia is another one like that. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's kind of this little sequence mm-hmm. that just keeps repeating, but oh. there's something about it that doesn't seem repetitive. Yeah. and it's a, set, a six seven minute song, something yep. like that. But it doesn't it doesn't just the, the lyrics are so interesting, and it the story is involving enough that that part keeps you keeps mm-hmm. your focus, and you aren't worried as much about yep. the music. I don't know. Well, and Coyote, too. I mean, Coyote just seems to be this, uh, like, long tangent of a story almost. Yeah. And I was going through, because I was, you know, trying to work that out a little bit one time, and it was just, like, I think the each verse, it goes from, like, 27 or... It's something around, like, 27 lines, and then the next one's 29 lines, and then the next one's 27, or, like... It's some just kind of really random grouping of, like, you know, lines of this long verse... And then trying to be like, okay, if I'm way over intellectualizing this and not listening to it at the same time, it's just like, okay, where is she placing the phrasing at? And like, just that, and it seem it comes off just so flawlessly and so easily for her. And then trying to go back and replicate it is just like, holy cow. Well, and it says something about like where she was at with her mm-hmm. musicianship too, because she was starting to and had really started with the record before this kind of started in the in the jazz mm-hmm. genre right where it's all intuitive and yep. it's all feeling it out and if yep. you try to be too specific about it if you try to be exact it doesn't often work as well right yep. it's yep. all about feeling it and finding a way to make it work mm-hmm. instead of like forcing it to come to you you've yep. got to go to it right yep. and and finding ways to do that yeah i mean in her writing it's just those those moments where she's able to do that are just 
Yeah, I bet if you were to, I mean, you have the lyric book right in front of you. Mm-hmm. If you have, if you were to go through this, I bet there are several songs where oh, what absolutely. you're just describing is true, where yep. things aren't exactly the same, yep. verse to verse, yep. but it works. Yep, and absolutely. it's not noticeable. No, no. Right? No. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. I like it. Uh, the next one, Song for Sharon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you feel about this one? No, this one, this one again is probably one of the ones that I can just take or leave for the record. Really? Okay. It, I mean, it's it it doesn't stick with me as deeply as some of the other songs do. Okay, but um, I still find the the storyline to be you know very very interesting and very. Uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, no, I'm like losing my train of thought. Uh, to me, it's like it's it's one of those things where how I've always interpreted the song, I think, is the idea of like it's like having a conversation with a really good friend. That kind of friend where you're not self conscious about what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, you're just speaking before really like thinking it through in your head. Except the song is taking the place of that friend. Yeah. So it's like, you know, there's she's frustrated at mm-hmm. times. She's not bragging at times, but she's happy and proud at other mm-hmm. times. Like there, you know, she goes through a lot of different things within this one song. And it's just it's like this reunion mm-hmm. almost of this friend. I yeah. it'd be curious to know whether Sharon is A a real person mm-hmm. or not. And B if it's, you know, what the context of this I mean, it could have been a letter. That's true. Yeah. I guess I just the the imagery of this song sticks out to me mm-hmm. more than like a a storyline. Yep. I guess. And there are a lot of things in there. Headed to the church to play bingo. That line always yep. sticks out. To, I mean, I think you can't hear the word bingo without like what? <laughs> yep. Yep. But there are a couple of those in this song. Um, that yeah, it's 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 very specific. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I like the uh, the gypsy down on Bleecker mm-hmm. Street line. Mm-hmm. Went to see her as a kind of joke. She lit a candle for my love luck and 18 bucks went up in smoke. I love that. It's just, yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's a little joke. Yep. At, but it's also kind of not, right? I mean, yep. it's, it's that idea of like, that's where she was at. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Maybe seeking answers, but knowing that there aren't any answers to find anyway. Yeah. And, you know, when Joni Mitchell goes down to see a gypsy in Bleecker Street... About does her love life, she, right? Does she think <laughs> that the gypsy will will have will know what how to cure, mm-hmm. or, or you know, will know how to help her, or right. does she do it as a joke? Right, it's a kind of a I'm going to do this because it might be interesting kind of thing, or does she yeah. really anticipate that she will find she will feel better walking right. out of there? Well, know? I mean, she even says, "I went in to see her as a kind of joke," right. but you know, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> That idea. Unless, unless yeah, she knows how yeah. to make me feel good again. Yep, right? exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's. I actually really like this record. This is. I think there's something about the music um, element to this one that it's. It's a catchy song. It is on yeah. a record where it's not so much about catchy and is more about like just lyrics that you will wish for the rest of your life you could write anything right. that approaches. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But this is just a catchy song. I think mm-hmm. lyrically it's very interesting and it's certainly got its moments of, mm-hmm. you know, really prime peak. Stuff, yeah, but lyrically it's not as dense as the other songs. Yeah. It's just it's a nice kind of yeah. I, so as we were talking before, this probably starts outside number two, and it's got that same 
not as catchy maybe yep. as Coyote, but it's got that kind of like it's a nice starting it out yep. kind of thing. It's more up tempo right. than yep. Which leads us directly into Black Crow. Mm-hmm. All right, how do you feel about Black love Crow? Love Black Crow. Do you? I love Black Crow. It's an interesting one. See, and I think kind of about what you were just saying about the lyrics being a little less dense for Song for Sharon, I think maybe that's the one reason it doesn't stick with me like the rest Uh, of the songs do. Sure. Is because I lyrically the rest of this record is so dense and rather heady. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, I get so kind of mentally sucked into just kind of, yeah, the existential nature of so much of what it is. and Yeah. You know, it's kind of like listening. Uh, do you have friends who are like, y- you could just listen to them talk because they're brilliant people mm, that are absolutely. just like so interesting. That's what this record is. Yeah. It's like being <laughs> with that friend of yours. That's like, man, I could just listen to you talk. Yep, absolutely. It's you know? such a good one. Okay, but mm-hmm. Black Crow, how do you yep. feel? What do you like about this one? Um, I I love the the refrain of mm-hmm. the Black crow flying like i mean i just that hook at the end of every every verse just really is effective for me um and it's it's more sparse lyrically yeah and i like that because it's there she's saying more with less and i just think that she does that very well and i think that I mean, she's she she writes a ton of lyrics and has written a ton of lyrics in her career and Mm -hmm. so i think the songs that you know, she's less verbose and just kind of let her musicianship and her voice and just the songs speak for themselves more. That's what I like about mm-hmm. the song is the way she uses her voice, mm-hmm. actually. It's, there's kind of a, um, there's a kind of intent with her voice that mm-hmm. I love in this song. It's, it's, she's really like going for it, mm-hmm. I think, the, the way she sings the song. There's, a, I think some of the way she uses the guitar too, there's a little bit of angst isn't the right word, but it's, it, there's something underneath. It's like I anxiety mean, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it starts out, it's got that kind of like murky, it feels like the guitar could go into, you know, could, could overdrive at any mm-hmm. moment and get those kind of overtones to it. And I feel like she uses her voice in almost the same way where it kind of, it's like it could become so intense that, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it does the song a disservice, but she never lets it get there. Yep. It's that kind of excitement of like the song could go off the rails, but the fact that she's able to just get it to the brink without mm-hmm. it going over is yep. really exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a train that almost goes off the yep. track, but because it doesn't, it's, you know, when you're back to safety, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I was so cool. Let's do it again. When it just speaks to like the tasteful choices that she yep. makes musically too. And I mean, going back to the, uh, yeah, that little clarinet or uh, yeah. sax part again, yeah, yeah. where it just comes in, but then that's it for the entire song. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just so tasteful. I w- I heard uh, Richard Thompson do a, a version of the song too, and you know, like he's such a, an amazing guitarist too. That like this song is really meant for really good guitarists, mm-hmm. right? It's got that sort of like drive to it. It has that like energy underneath that, mm-hmm. you know. In in some ways, it's interesting because. Um, what do you like more about this song, the lyrics or the music? I know that's a weird question, but because for me, it's the music. Yeah, I, I think it's, I would say the music lyrics. too. Yeah, and I mean, again, it's like just at the end when she does the black crow yeah. flying. That's just oh yeah, and it's one of those things where like it doesn't. Um, 
it's not that it's so catchy, like I was just saying about Song for Sharon, that you don't notice or whatever. Yeah. But it's just a really nice marriage, basically, yes, of yes, lyrics and music. Yes. Because it, it, they serve each other so well. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. So it's a fascinating song. Mm-hmm. All right, two more. Mm-hmm. Blue Motel. Yep. Uh, Blue Motel Room, I should say. Yep. Uh, okay, so I, I'm already on record now as saying this is maybe my least favorite on the record. Uh-huh. I like it, and I love that she kind of went for the, like, it's almost like a standard. This yeah. Song. It's got that very old school jazz feel. Yeah. But, the the thing that always just sticks out from this song to me is Boom Boom Pachyderm. Like, yeah. That's all I hear the entire yeah. time, and I'm like, how? Where did that even come up? Or like, how do you come up with that? That's yeah. just such a random like set of three words to throw together. It's just yeah. hilarious. No, I do. I do. That sticks out to me too. Yeah. I know what you mean with that one. No, and I I do like the standard kind of sway and lilt to the feel of the song. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's my least favorite on the record at all, but mm-hmm. it's again, it's not again as lyrically moving for me as some of the rest of them are. Yes, that's so, it for me. Yeah, yeah. I I do like where it's placed on the record too. Yeah, actually, yeah. I think it's really solidly placed because mm-hmm. it's not the last song where like the last song's got to be really good. Mm-hmm. I have a thing with last songs. I I uh, the last song is often my favorite. Yeah. on records, you know. The last song is like the one where like we get to like know how you really feel yep. <laughs> a lot of times. Yeah. But so this one I would have been a little bit it would have been a little bit of a letdown had this been the last one. But um it's also it, I just like where it's placed. I think yep. it makes a lot of sense. Yep. Yeah, and I mean it really comes back to the imagery of being on the road and that traveling and yeah. you know living from hotel room to hotel room mm-hmm. and then you know having I've got roadmaps from two dozen states. I've got coast to coast just to contemplate. I mean, she's That's she's coming back too. to all of that all over again. Yeah, yeah. She stays very consistent lyrically throughout the whole record, which yeah. is like, which is not the norm for her. No, you know. I mean, that's. Uh... That's that's what gives it its cohesive, like you know. That's why mm-hmm. it feels even if, maybe it's just a rumor that it was written on a road trip. Maybe that's not even true. Yeah. Although the some word, good press. <laughs> yeah. The word hijira. That's an um, it, it's an Arabic word that yep. sometimes is translated as flight. Mm-hmm. Some sometimes is translated as exodus. Uh huh. So there's something I think even in the title of like, because she never says the word hijira in the mm-hmm. song hijira, yep. right? So like, there's something about that word. That kind of implies journey, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. you know, and so a road trip for somebody like her in the context of all of these songs mm-hmm. sure seems to make sense, right? Yep, yep. But, okay, and then there's one last one, mm-hmm. Refuge of the Roads. I love yep. this one, too. Yep, I do as well. And I think it's, I think it's the perfect last song on the yep. record. I mean, it's, I, if Hijira were to not be the last, last song on the record, this is definitely the best last song. In For my... a couple reasons. Yeah, right? yeah. And again, it's, I mean, even the title is just talking about the solace of being on the road mm-hmm. and how, how that's just a healing place to be. And just the whole journey, it's, it's very, uh, it just kind of brings her entire journey or exodus together mm-hmm. at the end. So this song, <clears throat> I think kind of sums up for I was I told you I think before we started rolling here um although I think I've said it on the on previous episodes too that I think a lot of like hardcore Joni fans love this record this mm-hmm. is top five for you know like really hardcore Joni fans the kind of people who mm-hmm. buy all of Joni Joni's mm-hmm. records 
Whereas the more casual fans go, okay, I get it, but there's just not something there that they mm-hmm. relate to. And I'm kind of wondering if it's a songwriter thing because there's a lot in this song that goes throughout the whole record of like what the road is to all of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I guess I don't know where you're at in your career. I've, I've been doing like 75 to 100 dates for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So like I've spent so much time on the road that it's wonderful and you know how to do it at mm-hmm. a certain point. But it's also an enormous pain in the ass. Yeah. And there's some aspects of it that are just not fun anymore. Mm-hmm. And especially when you travel alone, which is mm-hmm. what I do most of the time, that like, you know, it's, they're fascinating things. And the, and the most confusing element to me out of all of it is like when you're not, or when I'm not on the road, if mm-hmm. I have a cu- couple weeks, especially in a row off, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do, you know? <laughs> like, there are some aspects that, like, when you know you have to drive six hours to make it to the next yep. gig, it's like, oh, my God, what an mm-hmm. awful day this is going to be. And yet, when you're not doing that, it's like, oh, why am I not doing yeah. something? What's going on here? Why am I not playing? Yeah, What's going on? Yeah, and I haven't got, I mean, and I'm at the point where I fantasize about touring, and I'm just like, I just oh, want yeah. to start doing it. I haven't really done much other than some really sparse, very regional, local mm-hmm. dates. But there is something like, I mean, like, I love road trips and like, you know, just coming back from being out of town this last weekend and just that alone time on the road is something that's so healing for me. And I know that that's something that is probably why touring sounds really appealing to me, despite the fact that I know it's a lot of, you know, backaches and Mm -hmm. gas money and sleeping in the car or, you know, in a crappy hotel or something like that. But there's just like that solitude. There's something so freeing. And so, yeah, just like it gives you time to really study yourself, Mm -hmm. which I think is a really powerful thing in songwriting and being an artist. It is. Yeah, there's a lot in that that, you know, I mean, even what you said, though, there is something to the idea, too, of, like, when you're... I, the way I always view it is, but I'm not... It's it's different from a road trip because I'm not going to wherever it is that I'm playing mm-hmm. to have fun. Right. I'm going because it's my job to go there right. and play for them. Yep. You know what I mean? So I actually... I'm a little bit better about this now than I used to be, but, I mean, I used to, like, be really... I would get to the place, check into the hotel, Mm -hmm. go do the show, go back to the hotel, like not explore the town at Mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. Because I had this weird compulsion like, oh, I'll get lost and I won't make it to the gig on time. And now Mm -hmm. this was before we all had GPS on our phones. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it was that thing of like, you know, you it's hard to justify that sometimes. So it'll be interesting because I'm sure you will be Mm -hmm. exploring the idea of touring more, right? So it'll be interesting to see how you feel. And I think a lot of it, you know, goes along with too whether you go out by yourself or whether you have, you know, yep. you package yourself with another artist mm-hmm. for, you know, and do shows together or whatever. And, uh, you know, that makes a world of difference. Right. In both positive and negative ways. Mm-hmm. There are great reasons to be solo. That's why I've been a yep. solo artist for 15 <laughs> years. Like, you don't have to argue with bandmates. You don't yep. have to do any of that yep. stuff. But, you don't have to babysit and manage other people. But there are bad things about it, yeah. too. You have to do all the driving. You have yep. to do, you know, you have to take care of all the arrangements. And, and you know, it's interesting to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we've been talking uh, a while now. We better take a break, and uh, I'm going to do a Joni song from this record, and we'll be right back after the break. I'm traveling in some vehicle 
sitting in some cafe A defector from the petty wars That shall shock love away This comfort and melancholy When there's no need to explain it's just as natural as the weather in this moody sky today. And our possessive coupling, so much could not be expressed. So now I am returning to myself. These things that you and I suppress I see something of myself in everyone Right at this moment of the world The snow gathers like bolts of lace Waltzing on a ballroom girl Whether you do or you do not resign Whether you travel the breadth of extremities Or stick to some straighter line Now here's a man and a woman sitting on a rock They're either gonna thaw out or freeze Strains of many good men Coming through the snow and the pine trees The poorest will travel fever But you know I'm so glad to be on my own Still somehow the slightest touch of a stranger Can set up a trembling in my bones I know no one's gonna show me everything We all come and go unknown Each so deep and so superficial Between the four ships and the stone At the granite markers Those tributes to finality To eternity And then I looked at myself here Chicken scratching for my immortality In the church they light the candles And the wax rolls down like tears There is a hope and the hopelessness 
I've witnessed all these years Are only particles of change I know Orbiting around the sun But it's hard to have that point of view When I'm always bound and tied to someone White flags of winter chimneys Waving troops against the moon In the mirrors of a modern bank From the window of my hotel room for part two of Hegira, episode number four with Andriana Lair. Yes. Thank you again for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for having me over to your apartment, your yeah. home here. That's great. Um, okay, so let's start with, can you give me a top five Joni records? What are your top five favorite? I did prep you on this, right? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, well, so. I sometimes forget. So. <laughs> Hegira, obviously. Um, Mingus and Blue and court and spark Mm -hmm. and then honestly probably the travelogue really yeah i wow great i came to really like hearing how she came back to a lot of her songs again with the orchestra as we kind of mentioned earlier um but to just hear her in later on in her life Mm -hmm. with a more mature voice and a more mature take on the songs just to kind of hear how she revisited all of that yep I think is really compelling. I love those too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, so. the, that double disc. I love the choices that she made. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's some of it really works. So I mean, really, all of it is good, but some of it really works. And there's like that kind of like added maturity, but mostly because mm-hmm. of her voice. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's the same Deeper way that and, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's more meaning to it. Like the way she's, it's it's amazing how. She wrote Both Sides Now and A Case of You and these, you know, just amazing songs when she was like 20 years old. And she was able to sing them at the time as if she'd already lived a full life. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was those songs still, when I listen to the original versions, Mm -hmm. don't seem naive. They don't seem, Mm -mm. you know, it seemed like she knew what she was talking about. Mm -hmm. But then like all these years later to sing those songs with even more richness is just... Stunning. I know those ones were on the other mm-hmm. orchestra record, but it's kind of the same yeah. with the travelogue. Oh, yeah. 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 I just, I think it's really, I mean, for me, just my appreciation for her just is so much of respecting the path that she's taken in her musical career and, mm-hmm. you know, always just being very much an advocate for herself and for the choices that she wanted to make and mm-hmm. really doing things on her own terms. And I think that travelogue you know dual disc really is just kind of her coming back to that and being like yeah i'm gonna do this all again and you're gonna see my new take on this and i mean it's just it's gonna be just as impactful and meaningful as the original recordings were and and the you know the ones that she chooses are 
it's not for the I mean there there maybe is an element to what people will want to hear again mm-hmm. but it really seems like the songs that she chose are the ones that she wants another go at oh yeah 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 like uh I th- and I don't even know if I think that she wants another go at it but just like bringing her more mature life experience to the songs i mean like cherokee louise is one and chinese cafe like both of those two songs are you know some of my favorite songs of hers like both the originals and then when i heard these i'm just like i mean it's just heart-wrenching to hear Mm -hmm. her tell the stories of those songs like from a more mature perspective yeah yeah and yeah the approach of like you know, wanting to sing these specific songs again. There's a mm-hmm. reason that mm-hmm. she chose these specific songs, I guess is kind of what I mean. I don't mean like wants another go in the sense of yeah. like, I, it's more of like, these are songs that she, she loves so much that she wants to sing yeah. them again. Right? Yeah. And, and because at that point she'd been off the road for a while, actually she did a small orchestral tour after mm-hmm. that record. It wasn't all that long, but she did maybe, 20 dates or something mm-hmm. and um you know she'd really been off the road for some time mm-hmm. by that point in terms of touring so she wasn't probably in the habit of like revisiting these old mm-hmm. songs and so when you have that sort of like haven't been playing these songs and then you get to go back and do certain ones again it's mm-hmm. really interesting to go oh, these are the ones you pick mm-hmm. i'm glad you chose those it's always kind of interesting because most people have put i think everybody put blue and court and spark in their top five and yep. it's, it's always like those you know a few of the same ones yeah hijira's in a few people's and um but it's always that fifth spot mm-hmm. and everybody's <laughs> just completely different and uh, yeah you're the first one to mention travelogue so far but those are great records mm-hmm. and just so different from everything else in her catalog mm-hmm. okay so kind of continuing uh, a line of what you were saying a minute ago about like doing things her way and mm-hmm. like going about things her way. I I looked up some reviews from this record mm-hmm. and was really surprised at how negative most of them were. Mm-hmm. I really thought this record I knew I knew Hissing of Summer Lawns had pissed off a lot of critics. Mm-hmm. Especially after Court and Spark, which everybody just loved and thought was the greatest thing in the world. And it is amazing. So yep. Hissing of Summer Lawns, like, she really took a beating. And I kind of thought Hijira won a lot of people back. Mm-hmm. I don't think it did. No. I think it kind of deepened the divide, yep. actually. Yeah. So I wrote down a couple just, you know, sentences. So Rolling Stone, a guy named Dave Marsh, who I've, I don't know, I don't know if he's still around or not. He wrote that this record was, quote, as deliberately inaccessible and as cold as any she's made. And then later in the same review said it's too cerebral for its own good. <laughs> Well, sounds like some of the reasons I really like it. I, me too, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't agree with the cold aspect, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know where that I mean, comes from. I mean, either lyrically or tonally, I don't agree yeah. with that. But And the best one, there was uh, a Boston paper. I can't remember which Boston paper it was. I don't know if it was the Globe or what. The headline is, Joni Mitchell to fans, drop dead. <laughs> so, from their perspective, this is Joni just saying... I'm done with you, or I, I, that's absurd to me. That's pretty funny. Wow. L.A. Times and Village Voice also gave it pretty negative reviews, and New York Times gave it a nice review. Yeah, there are a couple that did, and New York Times were one of them. Um, but it was just that's so odd because you know, drop dead, drop dead. <laughs> and the funny thing to me is like it's. It's an evolution of her music, mm-hmm. sure, but it's not so different from the stuff that she'd been doing. No. Really, that it was 
that it seems like that far, uh, you know, astray mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it from like her bread and butter that she would just be like, right. I'm done with this. You know, it doesn't go that far no. into jazz. It no. doesn't go, you know, it doesn't leave behind what people loved about Joni Mitchell. I can't imagine what they wrote about Mingus then. Holy cow. I know. I haven't. I haven't <laughs> yeah. Mingus, I think probably was worse. In oh terms yeah. Of the feedback. Yeah. Mingus is a is an interesting one. It's a you know it's that's a love it or hate it record. Yeah, I think yeah. for most people, um, this one I don't. I guess I don't understand what would be objectionable in any way to anybody. I guess I could see somebody not thinking it was the greatest thing in the world, but mm-hmm. you know I don't see anything in this record that people would be bored with or be dissatisfied with. Well. Yeah. Do you? I personally know, but you know, I know that I disagree with a lot of people on a lot of things. So, <laughs> okay, you know, <laughs> musical or political or otherwise, yeah. you know, we all have different. Op- I don't know. We're it's just, almost done with that. Yeah, thing, God. And yeah, exactly. Next week's episode is going to be really interesting. <laughs> I'm either going to be really happy or really upset. But yep, it's going to be rough. Um, yeah, you know, it's just I don't know. I don't know. This record is just so. How can you look at this just avalanche of brilliant lyrics? I mean, objectively, how can you look at these songs mm-hmm. and and see something cold and inaccessible? No. Well, again, just musically, like it's very warm musically. Yeah. I mean, again, coming back to Jocko's bass playing, mm-hmm. I mean, there is nothing more warm and beautiful sounding than that fretless bass. Just, yeah. I mean, that is warm sound yeah. and. Yeah, I don't know. It's just the the composition as a whole is very inviting and like, you know, strikes me as that just nice warmed up car that you get into and mm-hmm. you're comfortable and you're just cruising along and So, if I can say something that I know some Joni fans will it will d- deem a little maybe controversial. Actually, the inaccessible part mm-hmm. of it is to me almost So, here's why I think what I'm going to say is a little bit controversial to the diehards Mm -hmm. like what she is i think still in most people's mind if you ask a random person on the street when you think of Joni mitchell what do you think it's going to be like that the the folk days right Mm -hmm. it's going to be both sides now it's going to be big yellow taxi it's going to be the early stuff yeah uh which i think probably bugs her a little Mm -hmm. bit but so it's kind of a folky element right so then hissing of summer lawns comes along she there's this evolution which we've talked about now and and hissing of summer lawns comes along and she starts going into jazz and there's a backlash mm-hmm. against it, right? Mm-hmm. She gets horrible reviews. It doesn't sell like a third of what Court and Spark did, okay? Yeah. So Hijira almost goes back to some of those folk elements. Mm-hmm. Not completely, but it's almost... So to say it's inaccessible when in fact it's almost... I don't think she made this record to appease anybody. But I think the argument could be made that like she went back to the stuff that people had been arguing that they loved about her. Mm-hmm. Why did you leave this and go mm-hmm. to something else? She kind of went back to that to a yeah. certain degree. Without, I actually don't think it was a retread though. I think it was continuing because the lyrics are so much denser than yeah. anything. It's an as, evolution. Yeah, yeah, as brilliant as Blue is, these lyrics, it, she has more to say. These songs just have verses and verses More and experience verses. to cite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just, that's such a strange. Well, I I mean I guess it, I think it depends on who 
you know, what general audience you're speaking to, whether it's the true, you know, are you talking to music heads, you know, Mm -hmm. and musicians, or are we talking the general public that, you know, even back then was being fed short pop songs with really catchy hooks. Right. You know, if you're talking that kind of crowd, of course, this is going to be pretty inaccessible for that. And, you know, even going back to just the length of the songs weren't really conducive for radio play. Right. So, I mean, I guess I guess I can see where that uh, criticism comes in, though I disagree with it yeah. personally. Yeah. Well, and, oh, I, I can't remember if it was this one or one of the other ones, but somebody somebody wrote, so I'll, I'll paraphrase it because I didn't write this part down, but somebody said, and it even had the, a great funny phrase before it, they said, I don't mean to sound crass, but I can't imagine that the A&R people are going to be able to find even a single single off of this record. And I thought, how is that a crass in any way? Right. It's like there's nothing offensive about that sentence. But yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't think she cares. You no. know, I think if she did, like wh- exactly what you were just saying, at that point, to have a song on the radio, it had to be 315 and mm-hmm. catchy. Right. Yep. And now she's doing songs. Some of them are like eight, nine minutes. Mm-hmm. She's under no delusions that yep. these songs are going to be played on the radio. Right. With very minimal lyrical repetition in any of them. Yeah. Almost none. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Black Crow and Amelia and... But even those yeah. aren't choruses. No, those are they're words just, yeah, that just, are repeated. Yeah. 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 Actually, I hadn't really thought of that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's any chorus in this entire album. I think there is. Huh. Yeah, it's just really like those little like refrains at the end. And, you know, that's what Bob Dylan has also been known for mm-hmm. doing. You know, like he writes sometimes. And uh, he, to be fair to him, was doing that before Joni, I yep. think. You know, was a lot of those early 60s records yep. were already like that. So uh, she's, you know, as innovative as she was, she was, she was hardly the first person to do mm-hmm. this. But I think back then, anyway, I guess I don't know if Dylan still functions this way or not, I would argue probably not still, but like he, those records, he would do those, you know, like seven minutes. It's all right. Ma, I'm only bleeding, Mm -hmm. but he'd also have, you know, Mr. Tambourine man on the same record, which would be on the radio. This, there's just nothing that, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, no, this one is how I'm feeling right Mm -hmm. now. This is an album. It's a, it's a whole instead of kind of a concept record. Really? I mean, yeah. Back when concept records were even a thing, right? Yep. Yeah. I never thought of it that way, but that's mm-hmm. true. Probably because I don't think she would have put it in that terms. No. Um, and I mean, it, wasn't, it probably right. wasn't necessarily intentionally composed that way, right. but I mean, yeah, I'm very loosely. Well, and for Hissing yeah. at Summer Lawns, she actually put something in the... We talked about this last time with Ben Cookfeltz there. She put this little thing in the liner notes of the record that was like, this is basically meant to be taken as a whole. It's not to mm-hmm. be, you know, meant to be pieces of it. Mm-hmm. She didn't do that for this record, but you could see that it was mm-hmm. continuing that yep. for the reasons we've been talking about mm-hmm. now for a while. Yeah. Well, it's a great record. Mm-hmm. Just so, so... You know, the other thing that I wrote down about this that I found interesting was... Um, there's nobody listed as a producer of this record. She lists hmm. herself as the musical director, and then she says that uh, Henry Louis recorded and mixed it with her. Uh-huh. But she's the musical director, which is kind of the function of uh-huh. a producer. But, yep. you know, that's kind of an interesting thing to not yeah, list any producer. Yeah, I don't know. So she was making all the decisions, yep. but didn't want that title of producer for whatever mm-hmm. reason. 
which is even more compelling with just the little, you know, flares of instrumentation that come and go. Yeah. And yeah, it's a better kind of notation. It, musical director sounds better than producer to me anyway. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Um, cool. All right. Well, do you have, the other thing I asked mm -hmm. you to do was, do you have any other music that you've been listening to lately? I'm always looking for recommenda recommendations on things that... Maybe I haven't heard of. Maybe people listening haven't heard of. Mm -hmm. What are you listening to now and liking it? Um, I have been really into Kishibashi lately. Really? He's okay. um, absolutely fantastic. I just saw him play live for the second time a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he came out with his, I think it's his third record, third full-length record now. Um, he's done a few like kind of compilation-y, like seven-inch things, so I'm not entirely sure, but... Zonderlust is his newest one. He's just absolutely mind-blowingly talented and virtuosic, plays the <laughs> violin and has like all these looping pedals, like just can sing wonderfully, plays the piano. Uh, the very first time I saw him, he was opening for Zonderlerke and did all of this stuff by himself. And I remember I was working and bartending and just stood behind the bar and had chills. And so I got to see him again. And I mean, it was just one of the best live shows that I've seen in a right. long time as well. Just composition. Right. He's got great hooks, just absolutely beautiful, very thoughtful lyrics. So definitely recommend Kishibashi. Um, other than that, I've kind of been listening to Jack Garrett, I guess, too. Okay. He's another... I've been listening to a lot of kind of like electronic singer-songwriters. Sure. And I think it's because I'm personally trying to uh, get over my own fear of technology and writing music and kind <laughs> of looking to see what other people are doing and how they're doing it, and especially the ones that kind of, you know, go at it from the solo route. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's pretty popular right now, so... Okay. Um, but he's just got some really catchy stuff. Again, some really beautiful, thoughtful lyrics that, you know, anything that's kind of got an existential spin to the lyrics and the message of the music is going to touch me, especially if it's beautifully sung and composed as well. Good. So, yeah, I'd say those two have kind of been on my, my uh, playlist the most lately. Do you, do you work at the Turf Club? I do. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So... You, they. It seems like over the last couple of years, they've been booking some really great mm -hmm. singer songwriters. I mean, there's a good lineup of people mm -hmm. going through there. Yeah, a lot of people I like are playing that yep. room or choosing that room to play. Mm -hmm. um, you've got Tift Merritt coming there this weekend. She's even yep. opening for somebody for goodness sake. Yep, uh, Margot Price yep. was just there. Were you there? I for was. Margo? I was out of town, oh. unfortunately, but I heard it was really fantastic. Um, Maggie Corner was just there. She sang with Galactic for a little bit. Like, holy cow, that voice in that small room. Like, she just has a big voice, and it was really, really incredible to see. Um, and then one of my other favorites that came through this year is a band from Boston, I believe, um, called uh, You Won't is the name of the band. And it really reminded me a lot of Neutral Milk Hotel. And really? they had a lot of really cool, just like weird instruments on stage. And it was just two guys playing together. And um, yeah, they just wrote some really, really catchy stuff. And cool. yeah, 
got a couple records so yeah i guess that's kind of how i get exposed to a lot of new music as well so that's great when you're in that Mm. kind of thing because that's just it's really cool i've recorded with a few people there and it's always just really interesting people that are playing Mm -hmm. over there and it's it's a lineup that like you know you never know who's coming through but it's it looks like it's always somebody really good coming through yep so good for them yeah yeah and it's really helped a lot since first avenue you know took over and is doing some of the booking so it's you know they're getting a lot of the bigger names in there as well yeah that's true you know it's just got a good reputation with musicians in the twin cities too it's just it's a great sounding yeah it's one of those places that musicians just want to go hang out too which is Mm -hmm. nice like you know working brunch there sometimes you never really know who's gonna pop in like harmar will come in sometimes or you know frankie lee or whoever so it's you know, it, you know it's a good deal when the people that are playing around town actually just kind of want to go and hang out and stuff, too. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool place. Cool. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. I appreciate it. It was great to talk to you about this record, and I'm uh, glad we had the time to do this. Yeah, thank thanks. This. It was my first podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> Congrats. Well, thanks, everybody, for checking out this episode. We'll be back next week, um, and we'll see you then. Thanks.
sad regret of me to kindly stay away. And so this is how I hide the hurt as the road leads cursed and charmed. I tell him you know, it was just a false alarm. Geometric fun. 